Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. Grab your Bibles and turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5. Uh, we are continuing to walk through this, and uh, we're in the second half of Galatians 5. And we've really, uh, believe it or not, we've only got about three more weeks left in the book of Galatians before we're finished up with that. And uh, so that'll take us through the month of November. And uh, take us into December where we'll start into something else for the month of December. Um, but I hope that you are uh, learning kind of twofold in this. I hope that you're learning a lot more about the book of Galatians. But I also hope you're learning a lot more about uh, Bible study method. That, that really is uh, an emphasis here that is uh, a root prayer of uh, our time together through Galatians, and I hope it becomes beneficial for you in the days ahead as well. And uh, uh, just to to reiterate again, and uh, you only have to repeat this uh, three more times after today, and then it's going to just stick with you, okay? Um, but I, wa- I want us to say this together out loud. I'm confident that you are grasping this and you know it well. So we're going to say it together on three. One, two, three. Observation, interpretation, application. And this outline we're striving to use as we evaluate the text and uh, evaluate that in accordance with what it says, not what we want it to say. All right? And uh, that's why observation is so important, because it reveals to us what's there. Interpretation is important because it reveals to us why it's there. And application is important because it reveals to us why we should care. All right? And uh, those are really important uh, outlines that I hope you just hold on to moving forward. Well, I want to start tonight, and I want to read... Uh, 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 the end of what we read last week, okay? I'm going to read starting in verse 13 because it carries over into the next portion of what we're going to talk about. And in verse 13 of chapter 5, it says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Now Paul here is coming off of this discussion, talking about who has hindered you from obeying the truth. Who has caused you to kind of wander from the true gospel. And he comes off of this and he reminds them, you were called to freedom. Now, I don't know if you have ever encountered personally someone who has been in chains or who has been imprisoned and then has gotten out of prison. But it is a really interesting reality to face because there's a lot of people that just don't understand that. And... 
one of the realities when you talk with someone who's experienced that is that freedom becomes a whole new thing when you've experienced what life without freedom is like. And we could identify areas of our life that are the same way, okay? A more, a more just non-important one would be how many of you have experienced life without electricity, right? And we take for granted, don't we, these realities, and then when it's gone, we go, man, I didn't realize how much I appreciated that. Well, this is a basic illustration of the reality Paul is trying to communicate to the churches in Galatia here. Freedom, brothers, for freedom, you are called to freedom. Not bondage, not slavery. This is a theme throughout Galatians, which is why our whole series theme is freedom in Christ. Okay, You've been set free from this past bondage, and yet the temptation is to return to that bondage. Why? Because, church, we so easily lose sight of what freedom is really like when we become comfortable with it. And you and I are so prone to that just as the churches in Galatia were. They were prone to go back to the law. We're prone to go back to comfort and tradition and anything else that we're just used to and is normal for us. And we need this reminder for free, if you are called to freedom, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for your flesh. But through love, serve one another. Humility, humbly serving, humbly committing to follow after the Lord. Because the whole law is summed up. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're seeing a lot of this verse 15 take place right now. Biting, devouring one another, consumed by one another. Rather, what's the opposite to that? Have you ever thought, when we look at that, if you're not being consumed by one another, what should the follower of Christ be consumed by? Christ, right? The love of Christ, the grace of Christ, what Christ has given to us. If I'm consumed by Christ, then the outflow of that is I am free and I use my freedom for His purposes. Now, this cushions this leading into Paul's next section of Scripture, one that many people are familiar with. And even if you're not familiar with Scripture, you've probably heard someone somewhere talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And this is where this text comes in, okay? So let's look at verse 16. We're going to start and look at verse 16 and 17. We're just going to work our way to the end of chapter 5 making some observations and looking at this. So he comes off, says you are called to freedom. You, you don't, if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, and the reason I went back to 13 is because of this word right here, the word but is a transitional word, right? And it means we stop, we, we recognize and we go back and we see how does this relate. So, instead of biting and devouring one another, instead of being consumed by one another, Paul is going, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you want a one-verse challenge for the rest of your life, this is it. Okay? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
We're going to come back to that. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now, there's a couple of things that are interesting here. For one, we have, the, uh, we have repeated words, right? What are some of the repeated words you see here? Speak them out. What are they? Spirit. Flesh. What was that? Against. Desires. Okay. So we have these words that kind of stand out to us. And we need to recognize what's the relation of all of these that are repeated. Clearly, one thing becomes really clear, doesn't it? The desires of the flesh are opposed to or against the desires of the flesh. Desires of the flesh opposed against to the desires of the spirit. Okay? These two are in opposition to each other. So then, if you go back to verse 16 and you realize this, you go, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Because the two are non-compatible. In other words, church, there are only two options. You have a 50-50 chance as to what you are going to let run or rule your life. It's either going to be the desires of my flesh or the desires of the Spirit. Now what's interesting about this is we often, as the church, and I'm speaking to those of you who are followers of Christ, we often look at the culture around us and our expectation is that the culture around us would look like what the Spirit wants. Right? Whether or not we admit that or not, our convictions, the things we want to see, the things we are so frustrated with, why are we frustrated with them? Most of the time, the church looks at that and they go, well, that's not what I believe God has called us to be or to do. And yet, if we recognize that the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, then those who are separated from Christ, there's a 100% chance that they are going to follow the desires of what? The flesh, right? And before Christ, there is a 100% chance that you and I were going to follow the desires of our flesh. Then Jesus. And now that 100% chance to follow my sinful flesh is shifted Now I have the opportunity to walk by the Spirit. And in the past in Galatians, it said that in Christ you are adopted. In Christ, all those who believe are children of God. But that's only possible if Christ is a part of who we are. Because apart from Christ, there is no Spirit. Jesus told that to his disciples. He said, it's a a good thing that I go. Because if I go, the helper will come to you. And if there's no 
Christ and there's no spirit, then there only is one thing left. It's my flesh. And why is the spirit so opposed to the flesh? The answer for that is the last section of this. These are opposed to each other. Why? To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Man. Right. And as much as we hate to admit it, we really do like to do the things that we shouldn't do. It's a whole lot easier. I'm going to say this, church. It's a whole lot easier to not care what God would have us do. To throw everything out the window and go, you know what, I'm going to live for my flesh. It is so much easier because that is what comes natural to us ever since the fall. That our desires are for ourselves, for what makes the flesh happy. And that is going to continue. Your pull is going to be towards the things of the flesh as long as we are on this side of eternity. But in Christ, we have the opportunity to walk by the Spirit. Now, as we look at that first section, the application of that becomes really clear. The desires of the flesh are at odds with the desire of God's Spirit. A great way for you to test. And Scripture tells us we're supposed to test every spirit to see if it's actually from God, right? A great first test of something to see whether or not it is of God or of your flesh is to ask yourself the question, does this advance my agenda or God's agenda? Now, that's not a bulletproof formula because the reality is there's going to be some things that God gives us the opportunity to step into that are both. Okay? There's going to be times in our life where we step into something and man, I really enjoy this because of who God's created me to be. And it's also furthering His agenda. That's a good thing. But there's a lot of other things that are way more focused on me than they are anything to do with God or my faith. And we can get so consumed by those things. And the other reality, the other encouragement here, the desires of my flesh are at odds with the desire of God's Spirit. So at what point will there not be this tension in eternity? And where I say this is encouraging is because church, we easily, in this culture especially, we get this idea that life should be good. And, and life should be full of all this joy and all these good things. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, life is hard. And if we go through life and we tell people that in Christ everything is rosy, rosy and peachy, man, there is not going to be many people who stay followers of Jesus for long because that's a deceptive way of looking at it. It won't be, Okay. We, we experience loss. We experience hurt and pain. We experience broken relationships. We experience hard things. And I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've wrestled with this recently, okay? In this season, life is hard. And there's this tension in our flesh that goes, man, you need to do the things that make your flesh feel good and make you happy. And so when something does the opposite, we automatically go, oh man, this can't be of God. No. 
But the reality is, the pain, the suffering, the trial that we experience here, as followers of Christ, should be building up the anticipation for the day that that is no more. Because our ultimate hope, our ultimate joy, our ultimate satisfaction is not here, is it? It's in eternity, in the presence of our Lord. And so, when I battle my flesh, should I be frustrated that I still have this tendency to sin? Yes. Be frustrated at your sin. If you're not frustrated at your sin, you probably aren't seeing it as the sin it is meant to be seen. Okay? Either that or we're not seeing God as the holy God that He is. But when I, when I encounter my sin in my flesh, may that be a reminder for us to go back to the gospel and say, I am set free in Jesus. Praise the Lord that I'm set free in Him. And I no longer have to serve the flesh. I can walk in the Spirit. Now, if we know these two are opposed to each other, this is where the next portions come in, okay? You have two sides of this. What, is, what do these look like? How do I identify the works of, my, of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit? How do I do that? In verse 19 it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Everyone say evident. Okay, so in other words, Scripture says, nobody can look at the works of the flesh and go, Oh, I didn't know that. They're, they're very clear. They're evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That last statement is important. Why? Because this is not an exhaustive list. You and me... Can't just look at this list and then go, oh, I think I'm good. And in reality, we could probably identify multiple things on here that each of us struggles with from time to time. Okay? Jealousy is one that most people struggle with on a fairly regular basis, whether you admit it or not. Right now, it seems like those next four Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and divisions are very prevalent. It's just happening, okay? And if we recognize that without Christ, we're prone to respond in the flesh, and the works of the flesh include these, then when we see that, we should go, Oh, I'm not surprised. This is no surprise to me. Why? Because I've been told in Scripture that these are the works of the flesh, and Apart from the Spirit, there's a 100% chance that I'm going to resort to the works of the flesh. Now, where this should become concerning, church, is when I start seeing these things without remorse, without a desire to change in the body of Christ. If that just becomes okay at any level, we have a serious problem. Why? Because if this becomes what people see and what we're known for, then we are being recognized not by the Spirit of God in us, by the, but by the works of the flesh that we were born with. Okay? Now, the opposite side of this... Well, hold on a sec. This is a really important at the end of verse 21. He says, 
I warned you. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is a troubling passage. Why? Because if we've been reading the rest of Galatians, then we've repeated over and over enough that faith is enough. Salvation by faith is enough. You are a child of God, all who believe. So what are you saying, Paul? And this is a common thing that we just jump over. But people who question the validity of Scripture see these things. And when we come to something like this, and we read it off the cuff, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Either Paul is contradicting himself, or there's another understanding that I'm missing. This is where interpretation becomes so important. The key to this, this verse is in the word do. And if we were to look and go to our concordance, our tool, and we were to look at that word specifically, what you're going to find is that this, uh, there is several ways you can interpret this word, and in some of your translations it may even say this, but it can also be seen as practice who do or practice such things or make a practice of doing these things. Now, that totally changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Because there's a difference between you and I who recognize there's a 50% chance in every situation I run into that I'm going to respond in my flesh. And those who just practice these things and it becomes commonplace... And I'm pretty sure that as I describe that, every one of you can think of at least one person you know of that practices works of the flesh. It's just kind of who they are. And there's not really any tension there. There's not really any remorse. It's just who they are. And someone who has no tension between what the flesh is desiring and what the Spirit has called us to is someone that we should be proactively speaking the truth of the gospel that brings freedom to. Now, you and I have no authority to point, point at that person and say, you are absolutely not saved. Because we can't discern that. But what we can do is look at those situations, and more specifically look at myself and ask myself, what do I practice doing? Do the things that I practice line up with what God would desire or do they, do, they, do they line up with my flesh? That should be an ongoing tension. Okay? And another place, I just want to take you for a moment, a couple of pages forward in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, keep a finger in Galatians 5. And in Ephesians chapter 5, Verse 1, Paul says this to the church at Ephesus, Therefore be imitators of God. No pressure. As beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not, everyone say not, must not even be named among you. 
as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. I find that passage extremely challenging and convicting. And simply can ask the question, Are we walking as children of light, as children of promise, as people who are free, or are we enslaved to our flesh, to ourselves? What does the opposite look like? Verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, understand that that's singular, not plural, okay? Can't separate these out. This is looking at the works of the flesh... Look like the last section. The fruit of the Spirit looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This describes the fruit of someone who is actively seeking to live by the Spirit of God. Not the flesh. And in fact, verse 24 coincides with a previous verse in Galatians 2.20 where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives So what does this really mean for us, ultimately? Verse 25, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not, everyone say not, let us not become conceited or boastful, prideful, provoking one another, envying one another. Why shouldn't we become like that? Because becoming like that is not keeping in step with the Spirit. It is not living out the fruit of the Spirit that God in Christ has called us to. Ultimately, this is the wrestling that we need to grasp. And this is my challenge for you, church. The fruit of our life reveals the focus of our heart. And this can be a really difficult concept for us to wrestle with. Because there are seasons, church, and I fully recognize this, there are seasons where it seems like the fruit of our heart is just weak or non-existent. And as I said before, my goodness, church, we're going to have seasons like that, okay? 
because we live in a broken world. And for those of you who have experienced hurt and trauma and loss, my heart breaks for you. But I'm right there with you. Okay? None of us are exempt from that. But where this becomes a problem is if that season becomes my life. If that season of despair or darkness becomes the only fruit that I produce. And that's, that's my flesh talking. Because in Christ I have victory. Even in the midst of the difficult season, I have victory. And in Christ, I have freedom. It doesn't change what's happened to me, but I have freedom. And in Christ, I have hope. A hope that's eternal. And it doesn't discourage or dissuade from what is. It's not meant to say somehow I look at all these things that are super hard and go, I'm just going to ignore these. And look at Jesus. Yeah, Jesus... Because Jesus understood grief and pain and suffering on a level that we don't even understand. As he hung on the cross and he bore the weight of every one of our sins. Why? So that we could experience freedom from those sins. And so today, I want you to really challenge yourself to look and say... What does the fruit of my life reveal about the focus of my heart? And if the fruit is just non-existent, then speak that, okay? Don't, don't try and make something up. Speak that because that's where you're at. But don't stay there. Don't remain there because there's so much more than staying there. And I long that we could all be people, be the church that produces the fruit of the Spirit. That when people see us as a whole, they don't see us as some people, group living in the clouds outside of reality, but that they see us characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That we become known, not because of our flesh, but because of the Spirit at work in us, given to us by Jesus. And if you aren't sure where to start, and it just feels like the flesh is overrunning, then I just want you to pause, to stop, and to say, I believe that Jesus is the only way. I believe that in Christ I have life. And in Christ I'm adopted as a child of the Most High. If you've never made the decision to follow after Christ, there's no better time than today. Because we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what the future holds. And freedom, true freedom, in the midst of all of our messiness is found in Jesus.
Amen? Let's pray together, and then we're going to close with a song. Father, I'm so grateful that in Christ we have been given freedom, that we have been given a hope that cannot fade, and yet, Lord, we admit that there are seasons of life that many of us are experiencing right now that make it really difficult to be hopeful. So Lord, I pray specifically for my brothers and sisters who are just in a season of wrestling. God, that the focus of their heart would shift to be one that is one of thanksgiving, that is one of joy in the midst of sadness, joy in the midst of pain, joy in the midst of trial, joy in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of loss. Because we know that there will be joy in the morning. There will be joy when Jesus returns. There will be joy forevermore. And that hope is secure. So Lord, we endure. We persevere. With our eyes fixed to heaven, knowing that regardless of how this earth goes, God... You are faithful. God, keep our gaze fixed on you and that the outflow of our heart, the fruit produced from this place, would be rooted in the truth that we have freedom. I pray this all in the name, the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.